Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. I got a treat for you today. If you've been following the Catapulting Commissions journey for the past two years, you know it's not a secret. I started my sales career selling Cutco Cutlery. It is how I cut my teeth on. It's the first professional adversity I faced. It was the first biggest commission check I've ever earned. I mean, it was a lot of firsts in my life. And I don't want to date myself, but we're going back almost 20 years since I first started. So it's, uh, it is a skill I learned a long time ago, but 100% still applies today. Matter of fact, in the sales reps that I hire, if someone has a Cutco experience on the resume, they get a notch up just because I know they went through some intense training. So we have today a sales leader and Cutco legend. Let me tell you about Dan Cassetta. He learned the basics of sales while selling Cutco in college. He advanced his career into management and leadership directly after college. His accolades, he's the most successful uh, field manager in the history of Cutco. He has won seven national champions, but here's what's even more impressive. He's developed at least a dozen other national championship winners at various levels within the company. He has trained Cutco reps, leaders, executives, managers. He is now leading Cutco's Western region. He's co-authored two books. He's also the host of a podcast you can find at Changing Lives Podcast at changinglivespodcast.com. He's widely respected as a leading authority on building a vibrant team culture in a sales setting and developing highly successful sales reps and leaders. Dan. Welcome to the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Thanks, thanks, Anthony. I'm glad to be here. Good to have you here, buddy. So let's let's start from the beginning, and and you know the, a lot of the audience here are sales professionals, sales executives. They're already in that 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 era of over a hundred thousand dollars to three hundred thousand dollars in annualized income. And I always like to hear where people start their journey on. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a high level overview of the Cutco opportunity that you started? And what is the Cutco opportunity today for, for people who want to get into their career in sales? Yeah, um, thanks for asking this, Anthony. So when I started with Cutco, I was 17 years old. I had just graduated from high school, and I had been working the typical kinds of jobs that young people have. A movie theater was my last job before, before uh, selling Cutco. And I was getting ready to start college and thought, well, maybe it'd be good for me to have a job where I can learn something relevant. So... I ended up finding the opportunity to work in Cutco, and I got started as a 17-year-old kid. Um, it's direct sales. You know, we we would um, show the product to people that we would that we knew at first, and then we'd get referrals and kind of build the business from there. And that was the opportunity that I came into all those years ago. Um, the Cutco opportunity has evolved today for somebody who is uh, you know new in sales. It's a great way, as you said, to cut your teeth, kind of get some experience and some training in this area because sales is so relevant to all areas of life. And for somebody who wants to make it a career, there are a bunch of different avenues of sales with Cutco now that didn't exist back when I started. 
where people can, you know, can still be doing demonstrations, but they can also be doing booths at festivals and fairs. They can be selling business gifts to realtors and lenders and things like that. And so it's it's become a position where there's a variety of avenues for, you know, career uh, sell, you know, uh, for a, a sales career that's lucrative and that's fun um, and that's rewarding. So that's a little bit about, uh, well, you know, what, where Cutco's at right now. And um, it's been a, it's been a great ride for me. It's been a lot of fun. You know, the journey into, into selling Cutco, you, you mentioned it's a lot of fun and, and you started as a 17 year old kid. I, I started as a 19 year old kid. And, and I, re, I remember going into learning to sell Cutco, right? Not knowing what I didn't know, but I, I learned sales, but what was really unique and what, what made me want to stick around in the beginning, right? On top of the commissions, right? My, my, I mean, how I've trademarked catapulting commissions. I love making money. It's not a secret, but it wasn't the money. It was the atmosphere, like the team camaraderie, like from when you walk in the door, I mean, I remember to this day, my, my original sales manager, uh, Sarah Ibrahim, who's Sarah Andrade now coming up and shaking my hand and just having this this warmth about it. I was like, I want to be part of this group. Um, is that the culture you're creating? I mean, where does that come from? I mean, is that something you're teaching your sales leaders? I mean, you, you're now at a point where you're, you're hiring the sales managers and you're building the leaders in this organization, but how do you get people to want to stick around? I mean, selling cut is hard. Like, let's, let's, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to even say it's hard. I think that's mis, that's not appropriate because the product sells itself. It's amazing. It's different. It's not what people would sign up for, right? I mean, I was a janitor, I worked retail, I did all of this, and now I go into Cutco. But the atmosphere makes it so much fun. Is that something you're teaching your leaders to do? Yeah, definitely. Uh, a big part of our success is it, it revolves around culture creation. And a part of that is is creating a sense of belonging, right? Like we, we've always shared with people that it's easy to quit a job, but it's a lot harder to quit a relationship. And that when we can build relationships with our people and create that and, and them build relationships with each other, throughout the organization, um, we create that sense of belonging that um, helps keep people around a whole lot longer and and helps give them a reason to fight through those challenges you described. The things about the job that are hard um, are easier to get through when you know you have a lot of other people that you're you know, sort of working with that are supporting you and, and, and th there's this great spirit of cooperation, as I like to call it, uh, on, the, the, uh, on the team as well. So it, it's definitely something that we consciously try to work on and um and you know your your uh experience with sarah uh right out of the gate would would probably be echoed by a large percentage of people that have come into cutco and there was somebody there early on in their career that really connected with them at a deep level um and uh, built that relationship you know th that that approach that engagement of, of relationship and and being involved and that sense of belonging it's a it's funny i was just researching um right we're experiencing a time called the great resignation employment sales turnover reps at an all-time high i think in august alone 4.3 million people quit their job harvard business review just released an article that said the top two reasons people are leaving is one a lack of sense of belonging to a lack of sense of feeling valued by their companies and you just said right out the gate we want people to have this sense of belonging. What is it that that your team does that your sales leaders at Cutco do to create that sense of belonging? Like, I mean, can we, we can go as like as tactical or as simple as it is, but what are those steps and skills that people are doing that that form that bond of belonging? I would say that, Anthony, it starts with trust. Um, I think that 
it's important that the leader um, does the things they say they're going to do, starting from really small things like being on time and just uh, following through on small commitments, et cetera. That to me sort of is a foundation where it opens up the opportunity for everything else. Um, I think that the leaders of in our organization take a genuine interest in the personal lives of the people that we work with. We don't just teach people how to sell knives, but every event, every, you know, whether it's a live meeting, a Zoom meeting, whatever, any, any training that we have is going to have some sort of personal growth component built into it where we're sort of doing life together as a team and helping each other along, not just with what it takes to succeed on the job, but with a lot of the other things that it takes to succeed personally. Um, that element as well really creates some deep connections that it just, it just shows people that uh, we care about them as individuals, not just for what they're producing in the company. I, I think if anybody came to an event, they'd see that and they'd go, well, geez, they, they wouldn't talk about stuff like that if they weren't interested in me growing, right? Um, so that element I feel like is key, the, the personal growth culture. And then I might also add, Anthony, that um, we try to help help people develop a positive focus in everything that they do, because bad things will happen, challenges will happen, difficulties will happen, we're all going to stumble from time to time, we're all going to have negative experiences. But the quicker that somebody can spin that around into what is the opportunity here? What is the gift in this challenge? What's next? What am I going to do now? versus sitting there complaining and wallowing about any challenges that come up. Um, that feeling of positive focus leads to more inspiration, more motivation, more ambition, and just a feeling of feeling good when you're around the people and when you're around the culture. So building that, right, setting an example for that with others, I feel like that also makes a big difference in uh, creating the culture that uh, that helps retain and develop people. You, the the positive feeling that you mentioned is is one hundred percent. It's contagious. It it is so contagious that you know I know from my days in Cutco, my team meetings. Uh, you know I, I have I have a executive sales team now, and I put them together for our first in person team meeting in almost two years a couple weeks ago. That that culture creates excitement. It creates energy. We've had to adapt sales industry as a whole, and, and, and from, from what I've gathered, Cutco had to make some adaptions too. How did you guys retain that culture during a digital era, right? Zoom, you weren't, we had a socially distance, we weren't able to get together. How did you keep that culture going during that time? Yeah, well, the first thing I'll say on that, Anthony, is that I don't think we retained that culture at the same level when okay. we were 100% digital. So I think we did a great job of maintaining most of the elements of that culture. I do feel like that via a Zoom meeting, if it's well executed, you can uh, maintain a lot of the same culture. Like you can still have sharing of personal growth that happens via a Zoom meeting. You can still have connection through uh, smaller group breakouts. For example, if I'm running a meeting with, you know, hundreds of people, we're definitely going to have some smaller group breakouts where they're in groups of four or six or eight, uh, or even one-on-one -on -one at times, um, to create that connection. 
we try to bring in as many voices into the meeting as possible. If I'm running a meeting that has 20 or 30 people via Zoom, we try to make sure that everybody has a chance to share something, whether it's by raising their digital hand and then speaking or by commenting in the chat box and sharing. Um, we try to make sure that everybody feels involved and that gives them that sense of belonging. All that being said, replacing in-person activity is next to impossible for a people business. And I do believe that the future of Cutco, as well as the future of most businesses like ours, is one of a hybrid model that's going to combine the accessibility of virtual events with some level of in-person connection as well. So, um, you know, we've tried to do our best to maintain that culture, and I think we've done a great job of it. Um, but it's, I, I, would, I would be remiss if I didn't say that it takes some level of in-person uh, to have the really deep connections. Yeah, you're right. I think that in-person ability, the approach to just interact, there's something to be said for it. I mean, it's, it's, it's human connection one-on-one, it's human interaction, it's what we like to do. Um, but I, I like how you said, right, getting in the Zoom settings, trying to make everyone feel involved, having this hybrid approach of keeping everybody engaged. I mean, in that capacity, I mean, I, I would even almost consider that in a large setting, it might be easier sometimes to grab people on Zoom who are feeling disconnected because you can see them. They haven't spoken up. You can see their names versus sometimes that team setting, that team environment, you get 30, 40, 50 people in a room. It, it takes a good Hawkeye to find out, hey, Sally hasn't hasn't participated. Joey hasn't said something like, I don't know how they're feeling. So, uh, you know, you put a team, team around you in that virtual space, you get people engaged. I think it does create um, the opportunity. You know, it's a, it's a different skill set, for lack of better words. Yeah. So, yeah, it certainly is a different skill set. And um, we've studied it and we've brought in experts to help, you know, our people learn about how to get great at running virtual events. And there's, we certainly have a lot of content on that as well that I could share with you or your audience that has has helped us. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love to share some stuff with the audience specifically uh, about this journey that Cutco takes people on, that sales takes people on. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the Catapulted Commissions family uh, has aspirations to get into sales leadership, sales management, or sales entrepreneurship. They own their own business. They, they run their own organization. But every single person, period, starts at that sales component. I mean, that's that's where we start. We work our way up. I would love to hear your 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 thoughts on this. You have trained and hired and developed some of the best Cutco sales reps in company history. I would even argue on some of the people you've trained and developed are some of the most influential sales and business thought leaders just in the world. And I'm not going to name drop some of the people that have come through your organization, but you I mean, this isn't something that it's not just you have the pedigree says I've you, I've developed and created some of the most influential people. We all start at the same place, selling something in the beginning. So for the new Cutco sales rep, the new person that's looking to break into sales, what are some of those skills that people need or develop to be successful in a sales career? Yeah, I'd love to talk about this, Anthony. This is a great question. Um, you know, one of the things that I loved about coming into Cutco when I was brand new was that my pay was based on my results. Um, when I worked at the movie theater, if I worked twice as hard as others, I didn't get paid twice as much. I got paid about the same, maybe a tick more. Um, but it wasn't like I could double my pay or triple my pay 
uh, I couldn't catapult my commissions when I was working at the movie theater, right? Um, whereas here at Cutco, you get that chance. And so it's the greatest thing about the job. And it's also the most challenging thing about the job is that it exposes people's developmental needs. Now, it's much greater to have those developmental needs exposed when you're 17 or 19 than when you're 30 or 35 or 40 trying to pay a mortgage and support your kids, right? Like, that's one of the great things about Cutco is that it, it created that opportunity for, uh, you know, someone to be able to have a pay that was based on their results. And so where that I think that leads in terms of the skills, the first one that I think is important is that successful salespeople are all driven toward goals. They aren't just trying to do the best they can. You know, how do you know if you did that? Um, they, they have specific objectives in mind all the time. And, you know, there's a Jim Rohnism. Jim Rohn is my favorite author and public speaker, as you know. And um, he has a, a, one of his maxims is that you can either make a living or design your life. And the most exciting way to live is not just making a living, it's designing your life. Well, designing your life starts with setting and achieving small goals. And that can happen in any aspect of life, in any career. But in sales, it's so easy, right? How much do you want to sell this week? How many appointments do you want to do? How many phone calls do you want to make today? Right? These are all small little measurable steps that people can begin to take. And when you set and achieve small goals, it's the first step in designing your life. Ultimately, you can set and achieve much larger goals and much grander visions when you learn that process of deciding what you're going to do, going after it, seeing how you do, discussing it with your mentors or your peers, and getting to a point where you're achieving your goals more often than not. So goals would be one key thing that I would throw in there first, Anthony, as a skill to succeed in sales. I think also that successful salespeople are great at building rapport. And rapport is not necessarily a long-term connection. There's a difference here, like building a relationship over the long-term is super important if you're leading people that are gonna work with you for years. But if you're, if you're meeting a customer that you're gonna talk to, as we do in Cutco, for an hour or an hour and a half, or even in most sales cycles where you're not necessarily dealing with somebody over a long period of time, um, just that, that ability to create an instant connection with someone is really important. Some people seem to have that naturally, but if you feel like you don't, I do feel like it's something that can be developed, particularly if you pay attention to who are the people in your life that you feel like have this ability to connect instantly. And you ask yourself, what is it about them that creates that? A lot of times it's a genuine interest in others. It's an ability to ask good questions. Um, and um, it, some of it comes down to like demeanor and body language also. But just you've got to be able to connect with people at a at, at a, a the very quick level, cre create good rapport um, if you're going to be good at sales. I think that's something that's important. Um, if I were to continue with skills of salespeople, um, your uh, a salesperson's presentation skills are crucial. Whatever product it is that you're selling, there are key points that must be presented, um, key benefits to the customer that must be presented. Um, there are strategies involved in presenting, 
right? Where you maybe are going to pre-frame some of the objections that they might have. You're going to handle those before they come up. These are all parts of the process of presenting what it is that you're selling. And any good salesperson does not go in off the cuff to a sales presentation. They practice, they work on their game. There are certain parts of their approach that are probably scripted. There are other sections where it's going to, you know, move different directions based on the customer. But there are a lot of things that are crafted in a sales presentation. Um, the right words with the right tonality and the right timing. That's all important. You can't expect to be a champion in sales if you haven't crafted your game. And along those lines, the best salespeople are always continuing to work on that, right? I think about a guy you and I know, Brandon Brown, right? One of the finest salespeople in Cutco. And that guy is always working on his game. He's always uh, having conversations with other top leaders about, you know, how does this, how did this feel? How, what did you think of when I did this, right? And they're, they're, they're working with each other. Um, two of my top salespeople in the Western region, Brandon and Deanna Scortino, are both in the same area and they constantly are working on their craft together. Um, so that, that's a part of that same skill level. Um, maybe related to this is also his ability to close the sale, right? Like there's great presenters and then there's great influencers. And you certainly don't want to be known as a great presenter that doesn't influence, right? Because how much money do you make on the sales you almost get? Zero. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So you've got to be able to take the customer past whatever typical hesitation customers have to actually say yes. And in any field, in any type of selling, customers are going to have certain built-in hesitations. And those are, you know, a great salesperson is able to handle that and get them past that to where they take action. That's a whole nother podcast we could do for, you know, an hour. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the skills. I, if I was to, to try to put a bow on this one, Anthony, I would say that taking massive action is critical in sales. You have to be willing to just put yourself in the game, occasionally fail, often struggle, make plenty of mistakes, and learn through that process. And during that time, you have to have the ability to maintain that positive focus that I referenced before, where you realize that temporary failures are part of getting you to where you want to be. You're able to sort of handle adversity fairly easily and quickly and put it behind you versus getting derailed by you know, small failures or rejections. Um, and, and that's something that, the, again, you practice, right? You practice it. it. It helps if you have people that you're around that you're accountable to um, so that you can stay on it during those down times. Um, but action with that positive focus, uh, to me, kind of wraps it all up on the what makes a great salesperson. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode. I hope you're enjoying what you have heard thus far. Have you heard the good news? The international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions, has been named a 2021 Selling Power Magazine book recommendation. And I want to thank you, the Catapulting Commissions family. You can claim a free copy by texting hello to 661-228-8967. You can also find out more information at catapultingcommissions.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. 
I mean, let's put let's put a bow on that right there, Catapulty Commission's family. We talked about Dan suggests top salespeople set and go after goals. They are skilled at rapport. They have a skill in presentation skills. They're continuing to educate and get their craft better. They are great closers. They know how to bring the deal home. And they take massive action, right? They get in the game. They don't stand on the sidelines. I, I literally can make an argument for each one of those on to why those are each number one. Like they're all incredibly valuable components of a great salesperson. And here's here's a unique thing. Dan, you're you're sharing this for people who come and start their career in Cutco Cutlery, right? They start typically at a younger age. They don't have the, uh, you, know, they, you know, for the most part, I don't want to say all because there's always an exception, but for the most part, right, they're, they're starting typically young. They don't have tons of responsibilities. I look at my life now, I have mortgages and homes and families and, and well, not families, family and bills and different things of that nature. These skills here are still the same things that I teach to sales reps who are 35 years old, married with kids, 45, 55, putting kids through college. These are some of the same skills that I sit, if I observe and, and I'm coaching them, this is what I dive into. And I love, I mean, let's just, let's just peel back one of them or a few of them. The taking massive action and getting in the game. I believe when someone, well, I believe wholeheartedly in order to be successful in sales, you have to have the ability to overcome adversity. You, you just have to do it. Whether it's a personal adversity you've experienced in life or there's a business adversity because bottom line, the best salesperson still gets told no. We're going to get told no more often than we get told yes, right? The, the, the top tier sales professionals that have these great closing rates that that are that are that are you know almost trophies i'm closing at such a high 70 80 percent closing rate well they they get there by time but they also get there by being incredibly uh well crafted again in front of qualified prospects but it took a lot Mm -hmm. of notes to get to that stage right coming over adversity and just getting in the game you know i tell people half the time 90 percent of the battles just show up just show up to your appointments show up to your team meeting show up to the phone call with your manager show up you, just by being in the game, you're going to have a, you have a better chance of succeeding at being in the game than sitting in your car or sitting at home saying, I wish I would have tried. Exactly. So yeah, I, and, I, and, I love and, this. And on that note, like a lot of people will talk about prospecting as one of the most important qualities for salespeople. And of course it is, but like the biggest part of prospecting is doing it. It's actually working. It's actually putting yourself out there and doing the things that you know you're supposed to do uh, in order to be able to, to build your business. So it's a key it's a key concept for sure i completely agree i just get out there get in the game uh, the presentation skills the one thing that you you mentioned here was the constant uh, there's a lot of self accountability in what you just said right now right these people are holding themselves accountable not i mean some are holding themselves accountable to results some are holding themselves accountable to the process but they're all holding themselves accountable to a better version of themselves like a higher level of education I'm going to study my craft and get better. And one thing you said that I have to repeat, they don't show up and just wing it. That alone, you're referencing that in a Cutco sales process. I have sat and have had on this show people that have sold multi-million dollar software projects to Fortune 500 companies, and they just don't wing it. Like they're crafted, they're scripted, they know which way the conversation is going to go. You're selling Cutco knives, which is, 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 uh, you know, on the opposite side, it's a transaction sale for life. Because, I mean, I, to this day, I still haven't had a customer call me like, hey, I hate my Cutco. They're, my mom actually buys from another Cutco person. I was just, she's still diehard Cutco enthusiast. But no one's, no one's winging it. Like, we are really thought out about which direction we want to take this conversation, which I love that you said that. Now, now, Dan, let's pivot on this subject real quick. 
Sales is great. You make tons of money. We like it. We enjoy it. It's a skill. It's a high income skill. Bottom line, if you're successful at sales, you can always make a lot of money. We can't take that away. But there is a point in someone's career where they go from sales and they transfer those skills to become a leader. Kako mm-hmm. has Kako gave me my very first opportunity to lead a group of people. How do these skills as a salesperson, as a successful salesperson, transfer to being a successful sales leader? <laughs> that that's a, a, a deep question that uh, could could really facilitate a whole lot of discussion, Anthony. I, everything is similar, as you said, but it's similar in a different way. Um, you know, the ideas of goal setting and connecting and, you know, what are the things that you say when you're training people and, you know, closing the sale is a little bit different. It's getting people into their own action um, and all the other stuff like that. It, it all applies. I would first say this to anybody who's in sales and is going to become part of, of management or leadership. It's a mistake to assume that just because you're a great salesperson, you'll be a great manager. That is a huge mistake. There are, there are different layers to being a manager. Goals, for example, don't just become your own goals, but they become dual level. So yeah, you have your own goals for the team, but the way that your own goals for the team are achieved is if many of your individuals achieve their goals. So you have to immerse yourself in the goals of your individuals. You have to be able to paint a vision for them of what's possible for them so that they set their own goals. They ideally set high goals. They realize how they fit into the team goal. Um, I think longer term connection becomes a lot more important than instant rapport. And so there may be a lot of times as a leader where you subordinate what you want to what your people want. And that's a conscious decision I think great leaders make um, that helps them to build a longer term relationship with people um, and also helps uh, build trust, that foundational key that I shared before. Um, Continuous learning remains an important element of being a great leader for sure. And then, you know, what's what would also be a, a, a different level um, leadership versus selling is that accountability and feedback become very important skills. You have to create a system for accountability with your team. And you have to be able to have an ability to give feedback in a way that's well received um, so that there's an open communication that can happen. Um, Those are things that don't necessarily apply when you're just an individual contributor out there trying to hit your own goals. So those are a few things that I would say. Um, and, And on this note, Anthony, my original division manager once said to me, you never know who might work for you someday. And it, it helped me realize when I was in sales that I was laying the groundwork for being a great leader through my own personal example, right? Everything that I would ever want others to do, was I, was I doing that? Was I modeling a good work ethic? Was I modeling the right attitude? Was I modeling good customer service? Was I modeling integrity? 
These are all things that become critical. You can't just act one way when you're a salesperson and then all of a sudden try to flip that around when you're in leadership and expect that people are going to follow you. So those are a few things I think about when I think about relating sales to leadership. You know, that so much to peel back there. You know, how you do one thing is how you do anything. I've, I've heard that before and I look at it. And when it comes to that world of sales leaders, right, how a person acts as a sales professional really is, is, is an indicator of how they're going to be as a sales leader to its core. Not the entire package, because what you said earlier, I do agree with. I don't think that all, uh, don't assume because you're a great salesperson, you're going to be a great sales leader. It's, it's an incredibly humbling experience when you make that transition from sales leader to, to, or sales rep to sales leader or sales manager, or whatever the title may be, it's, it's selfless. It's a lot like, and, and I know you're a parent, Dan, I'm a parent now. It's a lot like being a parent. Like I remember like my first few, even that now, I mean, my, my, my youngest daughter is 12. So I, it's still a selfless role. Like there's no like, Hey, thanks dad for putting the lights on in the house. It's just, you, you go about it. Right. And you're trying to, you're trying to get people to give their best performance. And sometimes you push, sometimes you pull, sometimes you cultivate, sometimes you you have to turn your back and say, okay, I'm gonna give you the room to fail. Those experiences as a sales manager, they come with time. We want to shorten our learning curve, right? And, and we get around a like group of mind of, of individuals. But I think the biggest, like the biggest thing for me that made sales leadership easy, I don't say easy, easier or transition or made it comfortable was I always looked at it from from what you said right now. You said your 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 original division manager said you never know who's going to work for you. I remember at a Cutco meeting many years ago, Bruce Goodman mentioned the phrase of being being presidential was the comp was a topic of his discussion. And I believe it was at a kickoff conference. It might have been in San Jose. I'm talking 2004 or five, somewhere in this range. And I just I remember the concept of being presidential. And then I remember as I advanced my career in management, my management, my peers, the people around me, one of my best friends today in life, uh, Lauren Gibbs, we would always feed off of each other of like, there's a way to be, there's times that your job in any job, you're going to get frustrated. But are you being presidential with how you're handling these things? Because everybody is watching you. And that's the, that, that for me was that take when I went from salesperson yeah, people watched me. I put up performance. I got recognized at a team meeting. Woohoo, that was cool. The moment you become a sales leader, I mean, you're, you, you open yourself up because every person in your organization watches how you respond and react to everything. Indeed. So yeah. I, I look at that transition of skills of salespeople to sales leaders. Now, when, when you are that sales leader, and we talked about this earlier, you, you're, you're building this, this team camaraderie. You've built some amazing dynamic teams. If you had to pinpoint that team culture, what are some of those, those top elements that these sales leaders create in that culture? I mean, if you could say, hey, here's the two, three teams your team needs to have in 2022 to execute to build the culture you want, what would they be? Yeah. So uh, building on trust, which is the first one, I think I would say is you have to have that um, relationship of trust with everybody. The leader has to have total integrity to their word. Um, I always try to create what I referenced earlier as a spirit of cooperation uh, in the organization. And a spirit of cooperation is where everybody 
has an abundance mentality. Um, so any competition that, that is fostered is a very friendly competition. Like, yes, I want to kick people's butt, but when they beat me, I'm like the first one calling them saying, Hey, nice job. You know, congratulations. Let's run it back. Um, and so there's an abundance mentality and there's a sharing of goals. There's a sharing of what's working, right? So that anybody that's doing well, we always try to make sure our hot hand shares what they're doing and right. That gets traded around. And one week it might be one person, you know, teaching others. And the next week that person is learning from someone else. And so there's a lot of just sharing of information of support, um, that that happens that helps to just build that <clears throat> that vibe of people wanting to collaborate with each other. So the spirit of cooperation to me um, would be a key element of the culture. Um, I would I would say that uh, next would be uh, work ethic is critical uh, in any sales field in any you know, company where you want to build something great, uh, you know, people need to be working to the best of their ability. And that does not necessarily mean working 80 hours a week. All right. I, I always, whenever I hear people talk about work ethic and the hustle and grind and that sort of stuff, I always feel like I have to, I have to sort of shape that, that thought by saying, number one, there's a season for hustle and grind. None of us that have been successful uh, got there without busting our ass at times. I certainly had periods in my life where I was working 80 or 100 hours a week for sh short periods of time. That's good. That should be expected. But that's not how you want to live your life, right? Life is more important than what you're doing with your work. What you're, We work to live, not the other way around, right? And so being able to have uh, an ability to be productive without working 100 hours a week for the long term, I think is really important. And I remember reading this concept in a book called The 12-Week Year, where the authors called it greatness in the moment. That phrase always resonated for me. And I share that phrase with my team is be great in the moment right? In the hours you're choosing to work, in the time you're choosing to work, work and do well, be productive, move from one activity to the next quickly, not a lot of distractions, not a lot of time wasters, focus on activities that are actually getting results, right? That element of work ethic, if it can be built, um, is a key element of success. So when you have trust, you create the spirit of cooperation, you have work ethic, right? We talked about a positive focus earlier, right? That's a critical piece of a team culture. And you, you put that all together with this culture of consistent personal growth and learning and improvement, where everybody's always working on their themselves uh, beyond just their career, so that the career is fostering a better life outside of their business. Um, when you put that all together, you have a great culture in an organization. Man, it's it, I, so many times you've referenced trust as the as the as the original foundation, which I think is incredibly uh, 
powerful, impactful. And, and, you know, I would argue that's probably one of the most important things. Can't work somewhere you don't trust. But everything else you go to, right? You're, you're talking about the culture of, a, of a accountability, work ethic, the spirit of cooperation, the competition. I mean, even acknowledging there is seasons of hustle and grind. Like we're going to work hard together, guys. There's going to be times where, hey, this is going to be a rough road, but we're also going to celebrate at the end. We're also going to take some time to debrief. I love that concept. I, I, one of the things about culture, um, I, I don't know if you ever heard one of the a Blue Angels. I remember the guy's name is the Blue Angels, and he speaks, um, you know, and he talks about leadership and culture, and he always talks about the importance of the debrief, right? You're going to work incredibly hard, but you're going to have a moment where you debrief and and take time, analyze, reflect what just happened. And so he acknowledges the hustle and bustle, and, and you're in the essentially saying that, there is that spirit of time to get together. We're gonna we're gonna finish on this thought here, Dan, because I don't want to run short on time. But you know, last last few minutes here, that that leadership component, building the team, building successful sales organization, building culture. I mean, these are all valuable things that aren't only applicable in Cutco, but they're applicable in life. They're applicable in small businesses. They're applicable in corporate America. The one thing that I think that I would love to hear your take on, and I don't want to give you, you know, I don't want to preframe it with my 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 thoughts on it is how do I replace you? If I'm if I'm building this team and I have a team of people who are leaders, right? How do I develop that next leader within that team and and help them facilitate and grow to eventually outgrow the team they're on? Uh so in terms of, you know, leaders creating other leaders like developing layers of leadership in an organization, uh to me it starts with promotion. It starts with telling people what you see for, uh in them, what you feel like is possible. Um, sort of speaking it into reality first. Um, empowerment is a word that comes to my mind. Um, I try to involve my key people in most of the key decisions that happen in an organization about how we're going to operate um, so that they feel like it's their team as well as that it's you know a, mine as the leader um, and empowering people to make decisions um, you know, I, I, I believe that if you hire somebody for a job, whether it's somebody that's doing some work at your house, like a construction project or people that are working in your organization, you hire somebody for a job, you let them do their job. And then after what well, well, you train them, of course, before, but after you can discuss what went well, what didn't go well, and you can help critique, but you want to empower people to make decisions, to feel like it's their team. That's key. That takes proper delegation on the front end, which means we don't just throw people in the fire, but they're trained properly on how to do what they what they need to do. You demonstrate um, with them. They're, maybe uh, they're they're watching you at first, and you watch them a little bit. Then you're able to to delegate. Um, ongoing training is a key part of creating other leaders. You have to have a system that provides that ongoing development. Um, to, to take them from where they are now to where you feel like they want to go. Um, and then uh, I always try to, to remind people that all development begins with self-development and that as long as you're continuing to grow as a leader, um, that provides you the opportunity to pull other people along with you. Mm. This is so powerful, so true. Uh, yeah, I, sh I share this with you. Uh, I'm sharing it with you. I've shared with the the, uh, the catapulting commission's family before. There was a point in time in, in my professional career where I was like, oh, I've arrived. I was making really good money, making the most money I had in my year consistently. And I stopped focusing on personal development. And it wasn't long before, you know, I had found myself really comfortable 
It was I was always in the the circle I was hanging out. I made the most money. I had all the, and I was like, okay, this I'm not growing. I'm not growing. And so opportunities started slipping. The results started suffering. And it wasn't until I said, okay, I'm gonna make myself uncomfortable and get around some people who are complete killers in business and be the low man on the totem pole again that I started growing as a leader. And I mean, I'm you know I did this five maybe about five years ago where I was like, holy crap, I need to see continue on my own personal development. So I love how you said that. I love, you know, giving that promotion to that person and telling what you see in them. That feedback is, is, is life-changing. When you tell somebody what you see in them and you build them up. I mean, I still remember some of the first people who told me they saw leadership traits in me and they were in the Cutco organization. And, and here I am nearly 20 years later in a position of leadership, own a couple companies. And you're looking and you're like, wow, you, what you saw, I didn't see it myself at the time, but I do see it now. And now can I, can I create that new person behind me? So I love that, Dan. Dan, I got to say, man, I loved having you on the show today. I, I appreciate spending some time. How does the Catapulting Commission's family learn more about you and, and, and who you are and all the thoughtful insight you shared today? Yeah, well, you can follow me on uh, Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram, Dan Cassetta. Uh, my website is dancassetta.com. And the podcast is at changinglivespodcast.com. Catapulting Commission's family. We will have all those links at the show notes. Go get connected with Dan Cassetta. Facebook, LinkedIn, go to dancassetta.com. The Changing Lives podcast. Just listen. Even if you've never sold Cutco, like the when you look at the who's who in sales and business, the roster of people that have come through the Cutco organization is incredible. I don't know if you just saw this the other day, Dan Dabo Sweeney. I saw John Rulin made this post. I don't know Dabo <laughs> Sweeney sold Cutco. I was like, holy, <laughs> holy crap. It's, it, the community of Cutco alumni is incredibly impactful. And if you don't know John Rulin or Dabo Sweeney, Clemson University, Giftology, go look. I mean, it's the Changing Lives podcast has some of the best of the best. Uh, just outright leaders, uh, thought leaders, sales leaders, just humans on that show. So go listen to that show. That is my personal request to you, Catapults Commission's family. Do me a favor. You know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment, and I will see you next week. Thanks, Anthony. Catapulting Commission's family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commissions Podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commissions, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.